0: And
1: a good afternoon. It's actually Greg Smith jumping in today. Uh, Linda Swain still enjoying some vacation time. And your regularly scheduled uh, guest host, Brian Callahan, will be back at it tomorrow as he enjoys uh, a bit of a downtime day today as well. Hopefully you had a great uh, long weekend. If you got to have a long weekend, if you were working, thanks for your service over the weekend. Uh, beautiful weather-wise here in the uh, East Coast, of course, uh, where, where we reside and got to enjoy uh, a lot of that outdoors with my little fella from a petting zoo to uh, swings at the park to a trip down to the pedestrian mall. And then, of course, today we're back to work with the rain, which is okay by me. I like having summer during the weekend. So I don't mind the rain, except for all this heavy rain. Of course, heavy rain uh, warnings out for much of the province today the western half of the island in particular uh and amounts could be reaching yeah some 100 millimeters in worst case scenarios and that's top of mind as we get into the program today so let's get right to the phones shall we we say good afternoon to the mayor of uh, the town of rose blanche harbor Lecou, gary edwards good afternoon sir
2: yeah, good afternoon, Greg. Thank, thanks very much for having me.
1: No, thanks for uh, for connecting here with us today. I saw uh, on your Facebook page uh, for the town earlier today that uh, the town is working to deal with some of the torrential rain there. I mean, have, having some impacts, obviously uh, not something that is unfamiliar to the region, being there on the southwest coast. But what's the situation out there today?
2: Well, we had, um, oh, I'm thinking probably about eight, 80 millimeters of rain this morning in, in the span of 45 minutes to an hour. So with that, of course, there was a fair number of washouts, like off the local roads and shoulders washing away, and and then we had one of our side roads there where we had a couple a couple of uh, mudslides just blocked the road completely. And right now they're they're actually in the process of clearing that clearing that away and opening up that road. So rain has stopped, thankfully. thankfully.
1: Yeah, well, that's the good thing there, and obviously the work being done now to clear that out. But, I mean, looking at the weather event like this morning, I mean, that's a lot of rain. You stay in a short period of time, and as I mentioned, something that you're really not unfamiliar with. You see a lot of rain there in the southwest coast for these events. You must get a bit of anxiety coming up to seeing the forecast, though, with something like this, just after everything you've been through in that region.
2: Well, for sure, for sure. You know, you, for, you know the first thing that comes to mind and whenever you see that kind of forecast is you, you prepare the best you, best you can to – alleviate some of those potential problems that may arise, you know, in terms of cleaning of culverts and storm drains and what have you, right? But you can't and that's all you can do is prepare and Prepare for the worst and hope for the best, I guess.
1: I mean, obviously uh, Hurricane Fiona is still top of mind and a lot of damage in the southwest coast through that. Uh, you get these heavy torrential rains. I mean, uh, how long term do you think these effects uh, of, of some of these damage can have? I mean, do, do you look at that constantly and, and making sure that things – because, I mean, I guess with that amount of rain, and it's been a wet few days, I'm sure, that uh, the ground is not really settled either, right? Eh?
2: No, no. The, you know the ground was pretty saturated to begin with. You know because we've had, well, going on heading into three weeks here now, just fog, rain, drizzle, and everything else. When you get a when you get a downpour, downpour like that, it just it just adds to the issue and and just just creates the conditions that we have right now, right? With the, you know, with the various mudslides and shoulders washing away and and everything else. So and you just deal with it and move on and move forward hopefully you know
1: yeah and obviously i mean you just prepare the best you can as you say i mean you you see these weather events coming i guess you you do you get the crews out there and you do what you got to do to try to protect what it what it is there right That's right, yeah, for sure. sure. Well, well, I know uh, I just wanted to touch base on this today because uh, obviously people uh, on the the East Coast would would realize there's a lot of rain out there, but when you see some things like this, and luckily today uh, the easy cleanup post that. But you never know, right? I mean, you never know how these things are going to turn.
2: You don't. You don't. And, and, you know, we're somewhat um – Fortunate, I guess, if you will, that there, you know, the slides happened where they were, and there were no homes involved, or no, um, you know, thankfully, no, no, no loss of lives or anything, right, mm-hmm. or no injuries or anything to that effect. It was in a in an area where minimal traffic. Um, yeah, so, you know, we're just thankful for that, for sure.
1: For sure. Now, uh, I will mention this as we end our call, Mayor. Um, if anybody in the area uh, noticed anything that might require some attention uh, that may not have been picked up yet by crews cruise or anything, I guess contacting the town office is the best way to go about that.
2: Oh yes, yeah, we 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 put notices out to the entire town actually to um you know just let them know that we're dealing with it and uh but you know having said that if if they do notice anything to bring it bring it to the town's attention for sure.
1: Awesome. Mayor Gary Edwards, the mayor of Rose Blanche Harbor to I appreciate this today. Glad things are starting to get cleaned up a bit. Thank you very much. There you go. Take care. It four uh, twelve here on News Talk, and uh, we got uh, Claudette here now. I just saw something on Twitter, and I think you have the same advisory, right?
3: Yeah, so uh, the RCMP in Newfoundland uh, advising, Harbor Grace RCMP actually advising motorists that the Veterans Memorial Highway is currently impassable between the Tilton and the Danny Cleary Arena, that's Burns Road, exits. That's because of a motor vehicle collision. Traffic is being diverted along Route 70, and they will be providing updates as they are available.
1: All right, we'll be keeping an eye on that for sure. And if you're in the area and you want to discuss how much of a backlog and stuff out there, uh, the lines are open. If you want to talk about the rain on the West Coast as well today, feel free to give us a call. 709-273-5211 or one 888 Let's get back to the phones. Got another guest uh, here on the line, actually. Nicholas Keo is joining us from Munsu this afternoon. And Nicholas is uh, the uh, engineering student representative on Munsu. Good afternoon, sir. All right. Thanks for joining us here today, Nicholas. Appreciate the time. I reached out to Munsu today because... uh, In support of the engineering students there, right?
4: Yes. Yes. Sorry, I lost you for a second. Oh,
1: that's fine. Just tell us a bit about the petition.
4: Yeah, sure. Um, So we had three asks for our petition. It It was signed by almost... Uh, 800 students in the engineering student body, which amounted to 69% of our our students, Um, basically the three asks were to remove the differential fee system for international students. So currently international students pay $1,100 or almost $1,100 per work term for a work term fee, whereas local students pay $600. And we don't think that's fair, especially when international students are already facing such severe tuition hikes and now are paying $10,000 a semester just to go to school. Um, Our second ask on this petition was basically, we wanted to make sure that every single student was being paid a minimum wage, period. Like often we have, we've seen students that they get paid a $2,500 stipend for the entire semester and they're expected to work 40 hours a week for 16 weeks. And so we don't think that that's fair. That's, it comes out to about $4 an hour, much less the minimum wage. And our third ask is basically, we want uh, all of our work terms to be relevant towards the engineering program.
1: So I guess let's go into that one, because that was something that kind of uh, I looked at, and I mean, they're engineering students going into a work term. What, what does that mean, all work term placements must be somewhat relevant to engineering? I mean, we think that would be the way it would go, right? <laughs>
4: Yes, well, it, it generally is. Honestly, it is. They do try to make sure that the, that the placements are relevant. It, it is just, I think, frustrating for some students when there are work term placements that are not relevant to mm-hmm. the program, but they still have to complete four work terms to graduate.
1: And talk a bit about the placement uh, pay that we're talking about here. You're saying that, uh, you know, that you're looking to get an hourly rate at least of minimum wage. Just break that down for folks who may not be familiar with the work term placement and, and the pay there a bit more.
4: Yeah, so most work term placements would pay over minimum wage. Um, that is generally the standard for engineering students at least. Um However, unfortunately, there are some students that do end up having to work a, a stipend work term, which will generally pay $2,500 for the entire semester. So it's not an hourly wage. It, uh, you get all the money at the end as well. You don't get it in bi in, uh, biweekly chunks or anything like that. So that can actually be really hard for students who are low income and especially international students to be able to pay rent and utilities and just general cost of living, which is only sky r- skyrocketing right now.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I can imagine now with it, the way everything has kind of increased for cost of living, how you're, you're seeing some of this stuff now. But how long of uh, an issue has this been? Has this been something that's been talked about for some time?
4: Yeah, we've, we've had students complain about it for a while, especially um, just given the pandemic. There was a big... Um, uh, the economy wasn't great the job market wasn't great and a lot more students had to do these work terms Mm -hmm. and so it's definitely been a frustration for many engineering students I know I've had it brought up to me several times and so that's why I kind of decided that it was a good idea to start the petition
1: and of course as you mentioned uh, you got about 69% of the undergraduate engineering student body with their signatures on this who did this petition get sent to today
4: Um, this petition got sent to the dean of engineering and also the president of the university, Dr. Neil Bose.
1: And obviously, you're you're probably still awaiting word, or have you had any conversations since uh, delivering this today?
4: Yeah, no, we actually um, delivered it a little bit ago, and we have had a meeting with Dr. Bose and uh, Dr. Jennifer Lokash, the provost, and also uh, Dr. Octavia Dobre, the Mon Engineering dean. So we. We actually did have a meeting with them a few weeks ago.
1: Okay, and of course, uh, where does everything stand to here now with this?
4: Yeah, so they actually all uh, agreed that there was definitely some serious issues, especially with the international fee um, being double what the the local students have to pay. Um, also, they don't agree with you know students having to work for below minimum wage, and they said that they were open to having reforms. And you know, so. We're definitely happy that we see some progress in terms of letting them know the situation, but we're still waiting to see if they they actually will do anything because it's definitely kind of time to put your money where your mouth is, especially with the recent change in administration at the university. I think it's a great time for university administration to show students that they do care about our concerns and they do listen and they are open to, to changing some of their policies.
1: Have you heard from any other faculties? I'm thinking nursing, social work. I mean, these are heavily uh, work term placement uh, faculties as well, as many faculties are. But ha- have any of those uh, faculties approached you in anything like that as well? I'm sure some of those issues may kind of go throughout all those faculties.
4: Absolutely, yeah. I, uh, I've i been working with some other representatives on, on to, to kind of Uh, Make a plan for other faculties. I I do think it's really important for other faculties to also uh, get a similar action on the go, get a similar petition. It is absolutely unacceptable that nurses, nursing students in our province have to work for nothing during their degree. It makes the field unsustainable. It makes it extremely hard to go to school for some of these students. It makes international students less able to go to. Uh, nursing school, also social work, also humanities and social sciences. There's so many unpaid work terms. And I think that as the engineering representative, I'm always advocating for engineering students. And I do think that there's serious issues within the faculty, but I also want to recognize that there are other faculties that get paid nothing and that have to work long hours and, and really strenuous jobs that are really important. And especially with you know, the healthcare crisis right now, I think if we don't start respecting nursing students, we're going to lose them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at retention as a big issue these days. What's it like at other universities when it comes to work terms and these types of issues? Have you kind of dug into that a bit?
4: Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's a problem around – it's a problem in in many work term or in many universities, sorry. Um, work term pay is definitely – you know, it's important to make sure that students have a way to get, you know, the funding that they need to, to go to university. And I think especially here, it is more pressing of an issue just because mm-hmm. of our, our health care crisis.
1: So, do you think this could be a deterrent if people are looking at other universities, maybe weighing their options, as we all know students do heading into post secondary and what they want to plan out their future? They're they're weighing their options, they're seeing where they want to go and and spend their educational dollars. I guess. Uh, Do you think this, if it doesn't get fixed, will be a deterrent to come to Memorial?
4: Absolutely, I think the the lack of respect that is shown by both the university administration, but also the provincial government in not paying some of these students and in in paying less than minimum wage and in forcing international students to pay more than other students, I think that is definitely a deterrent. And I think coupled with the recent fee increases that have over doubled tuition, I think it's really worrisome if we're going to get many people to stay here.
1: So obviously you've had your meeting, you're waiting on, I guess, plan of action here from Memorial University. What's the next steps for you? Do you kind of wait it out and see? Do you follow up?
4: I definitely think we're waiting out right now Um, we've been told that it will be going to the presidential advisory committee that they will you know look at it that will possibly go then on to the Board of Regents and then to the Senate for approval so we did we did have a a productive meeting with the university administration and and they do seem to be taking our concerns seriously but definitely waiting to see what comes out of it because I would really hope that something that's done
1: about this. Well, Nicholas Keo with Munsu, engineering student representative. I appreciate the update on this petition that you've delivered uh, to the the, mun, uh, the head staff there and everything that you guys are trying to do for, for your faculty and, of course, uh, uh, widespread throughout the university by the sounds of things. Thanks for the update on this. We'll be following it.
4: Thank you very much.
1: All right. Nicholas Keogh joins us here on News Talk this afternoon. 423 is the time. We'll take a quick timeout, and we'll be back just after this.
0: Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM.
1: And welcome back to the program. It is Greg Smith jumping in for Linda Swain today. And yes, there's lots of conversations to be had here today. One thing I wanted to kind of chime in in on here today because it was actually a conversation around my house today. I went to the grocery store on Saturday. My wife went to pick up the things I forgot about on Sunday. (laughs) So we had two separate trips to the grocery store. But around the price... Of groceries, And, of course, as we all know, uh, the federal grocery rebate is coming into effect tomorrow. Uh, of course, it's going to be hitting bank accounts uh, Wednesday. The one-time payment included in the last budget is meant to help eligible Canadians cope with the rising costs at grocery stores. And that rebate will be added on to this month's federal GST payment. And the amounts will be you know, varied based on your income and your family situation. So, obviously, not everyone's going to benefit uh, from this as well. So, that is our question of the day today. At do you think the federal grocery rebate is enough to offset the rising costs at grocery stores? Now, 96% of the vote today, Claudette, is saying no, they do not think. And that is a high number of people saying... I don't think so.
3: Yeah, I noticed that uh, as well, that it is a, a high amount. but And it's because it's for, quote-unquote, eligible Canadians, so not everybody is going to get it. Mm-hmm. Everybody is feeling the pinch in terms of groceries. But not only that, no matter what service you get, whether you get your hair done, whether mm-hmm. you go to the dentist, anything at all, I feel, has gone up. But people especially on fixed income having to you know just get by their re- regular ru- daily routines are going to have to cut back in so many things and mm-hmm. a few dollars you know yes it's going to be welcome but i don't think it's going to make a very a, a huge difference in, in how people um, live day to day.
1: It is, for sure. And right? I mean, you look at the trickle-down effect, We talk about the carbon tax and everything trickling down to higher prices on fuel and whatever else is being transported, including food. But then you see that trickle down to the use of food banks, which is sad to see and stuff too. So, if anybody wants to weigh in on the conversation around the grocery rebate, we'd love to have you join us here today. 709-273-5211 or one triple eight five 888 And this kind of ties into this, though, because I don't know, Claudette, are you, is your household, I mean, this might be putting you on the spot, but do you waste a lot of food?
3: You know, I used to. But now I don't.
1: Okay. But yeah, well, Why so had you turned the tide?
3: I, well, um, good question. I've changed my eating habits. And so before, I, I was always about whatever I could grab the quickest. Mm-hmm. I was constantly going through uh, drive-thrus. Um, I would buy all the healthy food but then still gravitate toward all of my mm-hmm. snacks. But I do meal prep, so I prep all the vegetables and everything so everything is grab-and-go. Right. So it's, or I freeze it. I so freeze you make your
1: your food that you would have to prep, say, when you got home from work, but you have it prepped ahead of time, so you're kind of getting ahead of the game. So you're making that convenient.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I make the healthy food in my house. And you actually
1: find that it helps? Because I find, like... I waste food. I mean... I used to. Like, I get a container of spinach on Sunday with the best of intentions. It's only good for a week. And then by Saturday, you're giving away half of it. You know what I mean? You throw it out.
3: when you... Because I know everybody... And especially you. I know you've been very, very busy because Mm -hmm. you have a young family on top of that. You're doing a lot of charitable work. And you're doing a lot of work here. So, I can understand why you would be in that. But when you are forced to prioritize your health you will make the time. And you used to. You used to make the time to, to meal prep. To. Cause I That I is know the operative you. word there. Right? But you yeah. have to get back to the... Ba- I feel like a politician. <laughs> you do have to get back to the basics <laughs> and think about how, in the long run, it is going to make your life yeah. more affordable if you take the time to uh, meal prep. And uh, you, you'll do less food wastage, too.
1: Well, I find with food wastage, some of it, too, is with the label. And this is kind of where I'm going with this. There's a report um, from a Commons committee uh, this out today suggesting the federal government should investigate how eliminating best before dates on food to sell will by. impact Canadians. Yeah, it right? would.
3: You know, it, I used to be one of those people. Yeah. You know, instead of doing like a sniff test, I'd do a, uh, an eye test. I'd look at the label. I'm like, okay, that's best before, yeah. then ditch it. I'm not like that anymore. And you'll notice, you know, it's a difference between best before and sell by. Sell yes. by is
1: easier. Well, we, it's funny enough, my wife and I went to Sobeys uh-huh. one night um, and we walked in and this lady was showing us this, I think it was guacamole they had on sale. And uh, she was saying, that's all I'd say. And we're like, oh, well, that expires in like two days, best before date. She was like, yeah, but that's just the best before. And then it gave us this whole breakdown. And we're like, "Uh oh And it gave me a whole new New look on things. So, yeah, I mean, people do treat them like expiry dates. And this new report out is is facts, you know, just saying like that's just the day before which the food is at its freshest. Yeah. Uh, So if anybody wants to chime in on that as well, how they kind of cut back on food waste. They just give us a call this afternoon. 709-273-5211 or one 590 Eighty-six twenty-six. V VOCM time is 4-30.
0: Noah Shepard is standing by with
1: your VOCM news.
0: Start your day off right. Get the latest updates on news, traffic, and weather conditions, plus interviews with today's newsmakers. Your go-to source before you get on the go. 5-30 to 9 a.m. weekdays. Your VOCM mornings.
1: And welcome back to the program. It is Greg Smith jumping in for Linda Swain today, and we were just talking uh, myself and Claudette before the break uh, about, uh, you know, the expiry date that are on foods, the best before dates, and well, food West is in general. And Cindy's on the line from the West Coast, beautiful Quarterbrook this afternoon. Hi, Cindy. Hi, how are you? I am doing great. And, of course, you called in off the back of that conversation to talk about the potato sniff test. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs>
5: yes, yes. And it sounds strange, and it's really weird. I admit it. But... <laughs> Uh, when I buy my potatoes at the grocery store, you know that little mesh net part, of, like in the in the bag. Yeah. I always smell my potatoes before I buy them, and if there's any scent of rot or whatever, I don't buy them. I I put them back, and even my uh, my oldest daughter does the same thing now. Really? What got you into doing yeah. that? I have no idea. I just <laughs> figure when I get home, I can't see through the paper bag, so I can look at. Sniff through the, the mesh part, and if it smells like there's any potatoes rotten in there, I don't buy them. I'd go and pick another another bag. And you're talking about best before date and yeah. reduced things and whatever. I, I live my life doing that kind of thing, picking up things that's reduced or on clearance or whatever. So it's not food wastage because, like, the best before date is still good after plus it's not going in landfills and being thrown away so I've always done that I'll, always
1: amazing yeah well listen I, I got to kind of retrain my mind in that aspect I mean I always buy and I don't waste a lot of food don't get me wrong but there are certain yeah. things like I mentioned the spinach container and stuff I always had the best of attention for that stuff right but life is busy I got to plan it out better I think and I got to I got to start kind of getting out of my head around those best before dates too because I mean as you're saying like there, it's not being wasted it's not going to be bad the next day if you buy at a reduced price either right no
5: no and i mean like if you buy any meats just like reduced or on clearance just stick it in your freezer and i've done that lots of times like make buy a roast beef or a chicken or a hamburger meat and i'll just bring it home and prepare it like i want it and put it in my freezer and pop it out then when i when i need it and i've never had one bit of problem nothing never had oh, no trouble no sickness nothing well, and I've saved a good lot of money doing it that way, like clearance stuff, reduced stuff. And now I don't always buy that. Like, that's not my total groceries. Yeah. But when I see it, I, I certainly pick it up. It makes, and it saves your money. I mean, with the prices of groceries, like now, with yeah. the new gas prices and everything, environmental taxes and whatever, I mean, you, you've got to, like, you never, never survived.
1: No, that's right. I mean, have you uh, been finding a big change in your grocery bill as of late going to the stores?
5: Uh, I notice some things are different, but if you watch the flyers and the specials and that kind of thing, like they say, uh, there's a rotation of six weeks for for specials. Like they'll come around every six weeks. So if you keep your eye out for different things like that uh, and watch the flyers, uh, you'll uh, you'll uh, you'll do all right.
1: Well, I guess than you
5: would if you're not. If you're throwing your flyers in the garbage, like you're not gonna you're not gonna get ahead, right? Like.
1: Well, yeah, I gotta admit, I never look at the grocery flyers ever.
5: Oh, yeah, you should. You should start that today and, and the rotation uh, I understood that it was like six weeks. If it's on special now six weeks later, you'll it should roll around that it's on special again. So you can keep your groceries, you know, kinda of topped up in your fridge and freezer for for that amount of time, whatever you're going to use, like how much you you think you would probably need Mm -hmm. for that six weeks rotation. I mean, you don't eat spinach now every second, every day, or you don't have a chicken every day. So you mean you spread out what your meal menu plan would be and, and buy so? when the six six weeks is up you're you're right on top of it and you can go on in and pick it up and have enough for the next six weeks
1: wow you are changing my uh, my thoughts on this Claudette's going to jump in here too you had a question
3: <laughs> yeah well it's not so much about, well i guess it could be a question to see if you do this as well i remember i don't even remember the podcast i was listening to a podcast and they talked about if you really wanted to save money on food one of the things you could do would be just shop your own pantry in other words you look at the ingredients that you already have and then you can kind of just go on sorry about that. <laughs> just drop something. Yep, that's fine. You can go online and then punch in the ingredients that you do have to make a meal. Instead of doing what I do, I go to my recipe books and they have there's always mm. at least two or three things that you'll never use again, but only a pinch of this for this particular recipe. Exactly. And you yep. spend four or five, six, seven dollars on this one thing and then you never use it again. To me, that that's you know where the costs would come in as well. But if you shop your own pantry and just kind of be inventive with the food that you already have, you just don't realize how many recipes that you do have uh, at your fingertips without having to buy a, a extra things at the grocery store.
5: And when I'm looking at recipes, that's exactly what I do. I don't look at, if I see a recipe there where there's some kind of spice or something, mm-hmm. and I probably maybe never ever going to use it again, or for the money that I got to pay, and for the time I'm going to make it, I don't even bother. I just flip on over and just go on to, to something easier, simpler. And I and I know pretty much what I got in my kitchen, in my pantry, in my freezers. So I know when I see a recipe, oh, like the other day, I've seen it on Facebook uh, as a cook cookie now cookie's not good for you but it's a simple cookie recipe you just buy you have a simple cake mix whatever flavor you got in your house a bag of chocolate chip cookies just a regular size one or butterscotch or whatever you got and two eggs that's all you need mix it all up spray your pan put it on your on your cookie sheet or your glass dish or whatever and throw it in the oven for whatever the time says on the box and you've got chocolate chip cookies
1: well, you've done two things for me now, Cindy. One, you've given me some inspiration, <laughs> and two, I'm very hungry because we're getting close to five o'clock dinner time, and I want my cookies before dinner now.
5: Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, it's like you would think you think you need this oil and eggs and whatever and and butter or shortening or whatever, but yeah, all you got to do is three things: two eggs, a cake mix, and a box a pack of chocolate chips. Mix it all up, spray your pan, throw it in the oven for whatever the time on the cookie and the cake boxes, and and you're good to go.
1: Amazing. Cindy, thanks for calling in and for for your insight on this. Obviously, a lot of people thinking about that uh, these days with the cost of everything rising up and how to prevent food wastage and, and find some savings here and there. Really appreciate the time today.
5: Yeah, but when you go to the grocery store, don't forget me. All up your potato bag and give it a good sniff.
1: <laughs> Cindy from Daryl <Daring>, Lake, <laughs> thanks so much. <laughs> okay. Take care. Thank you. Bye Have now. Bye. It is uh, 442. go. You know, I've never heard of that before, the sniff test on a bag of potatoes.
3: I never. But see, I'm the type of person that will not buy if I can't see inside the bag. I know the potatoes oh, really? that you're talking. You can buy potatoes that are in clear bags. Right. Okay. So yeah. I will choose I to do that. I don't buy many
1: potatoes, to be honest.
3: Oh yeah, I like the little tiny mini ones that you don't even have mm. to wash. Yeah. I find that I very love versatile. potatoes, but I
1: don't buy them know. so much. You know I know. I, mean?
3: I, I don't eat. I eat mostly sweet potato, but I will buy the other ones for burn for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you got to get the tater tots for burning. Right? Yes, yes of course. Uh, up to a break here on News Talk, but when we come back, uh, Claudette knows I was up in Halifax late last week for an event and then obviously around town this week and still lots of talk uh, around the recovered pieces of the Titan Submersible. Uh, there was an update uh, late last week from the company that found the wreck on the ocean floor soon after a arriving at the search site June 22nd. We're going to bring you into that uh, conversation and that news conference, uh, if you missed it, just after we do this.
0: Join Greg Smith weeknights at 545 as he chats with local musicians about life, inspiration shows, and new music. Tune into Soundcheck, your backstage pass to the local music scene on your VOCM.
1: And welcome back. It is Greg Smith along with you this afternoon for Linda Swain on News Talk. It is 4:45, and before we get into our next conversation here, just a reminder about the RCMP uh, putting out a notification uh, earlier this hour, advising motorists that the Veterans Memorial Highway is currently impassable between the Tilton and the Danny Cleary Arena Burns Road exits. Now, this is due to a motor vehicle collision, and traffic is being diverted along Route 70. They'll have updates available uh, as they can provide them. We'll be keeping an eye on that for you here on the OCM. And if you are in the area and got any insight to uh, to that uh, backup and diversion, just uh, give us a call here on News Talk, 709-273-5211 or 888 8626 Want to take you back into uh, this conversation from uh, over the last couple of weeks. A lot of people still talking about the loss of the submersible Titan from Oceangate. The owner of the remotely operated vehicle that recovered pieces from the submersible said on a Friday update that the company found the wreck on the ocean floor soon after arriving at the search site on June the 22nd. Uh, Ed Casano, CEO of Pelagic Research Services, said its ROV uh, had the capability to dive to the wreck of the Titanic and that another ROV descended into the water to search but never made it out here is the news conference from late on Friday
6: as we start today and we start this uh, conversation that we're gonna have I want to ask us to keep grounded in the solemnity of this event throughout the entire evolution of this response this same fundamental focus was at the core of how all of our teams did their jobs during the urgency of the rescue at hand We were always conscious of the crew of the Titan, their families and friends, and the safety of all the responders. We focused our efforts to arrive on the site of Titanic, prepared to rescue Titan. I have to acknowledge our team here. Many of them are heading home. Many of them are still traveling, and we have team members here. I just want to point out uh, Jesse Doran, who's our ROV manager, director of operations, Uh, and other members of the team here. So the first thing I'm going to do is give you a timeline of events, give you a sense of the sequence. So it started June 18th, Sunday, the loss of the communications and tracking to Titan. About 1745, local mean time, Eastern Daylight Time, we were contacted by Oceangate. I landed at JFK Airport at around 11 o'clock and was in conversation with their director of operations immediately, assessed the situation, and we were asked to activate our deep water remotely operated vehicle system, Odysseus 6K. We immediately began assembling a team, sending some to St. John's immediately, and sending others here to East Aurora. On June 19th, which is Monday, PRS began packing and mobilizing the Odysseus 6K ROV. Throughout the day, PRS staff arrived on site, and by late afternoon, PRS was at Buffalo Niagara International Airport, mobilized for deployment, where two U.S. Air Force C-17s were waiting for us. With the equipment staged at the airport, PRS awaited arrival of yet another C-17, with additional equipment required to not only load our kit at Buffalo, but to offload it at St. John's Newfoundland International Airport. Tuesday, June 20th, 0400, we began loading to the three C-17s at the airport. We soon departed, arriving at St. John's Newfoundland in the early afternoon. All three aircraft sequenced, all three aircraft organized in a manner to require the most efficient mobilization to the ship Horizon Arctic, which was waiting for us. The offload was immediate and focused. Awaiting us was a ship and a team and a community ready to engage us to get us onto the ship and to get us underway. The last load, container, ship, you know, the truck arrived at the pier side 2300 on June 20th. The ship was underway the next day, June 21st, at 0530. From the last truck arriving to us leaving the pier was about five and a half to six hours, 70,000 pounds of equipment. Underway, sight of Titanic and the loss of, or the missing submersible at this point, of course, was tightened. I just want to emphasize the whole response team that we were going to integrate into was underway. There were at least 10 ships and aircraft active already on site. Odysseus 6K, as the 6,000-meter mobile ROV system, became the primary asset focused on rescue. Underway to the site, we finished the integration and activation of the vehicle and rigged it for rescue. Plain and simple, we we're focused on rescue. We arrived on site less than 24 hours later, 0430 local mean time, the Horizon Arctic integrated into the ongoing and multinational rescue effort. At that point, within an hour, 0530, our system was launched from the back deck and began to descend to the seafloor. Shortly after arriving on the seafloor, we discovered the debris of the Titan submersible. Of course, we continued to document the site, and by 12 o'clock, sadly, a rescue turned into a recovery. I <sighs> have to apologize, we're we're still demobilizing. It's a lot of emotions. people are tired. During this period, upon arriving on site, we have to point out that the U.S. Coast Guard Incident Command reached out to the families of the Titan crew upon our discovery of the debris. a very important communication. We can then continue, then, of course, to perform an operation from rescue to recovery. So from basically June 22nd till June 27th at 9.30, our teams, and I say our teams because it was the integrated team of the Horizon Arctic and the Pelagic team and many, many, many others were conducting 24-hour ROV operations as directed by the on-site commander. We will of course, use our heavy lift capability to recover all the objects of interest as directed by the Incident Response Team. Just to complete the timeline for you, on June 28th, 0730 Local mean time, St. John's, Newfoundland, Horizon Arctic with the Pelagic Embark Team arrived at the Canadian Coast Guard Base where wreckage was offloaded and our demobilization began. Today is June 30th and it's 24 hours ago we were on site. We really have to take that into perspective. Before taking questions, a few more points. We're still reviewing the sequence of events that we were a part of. During the drive from New York, JFK, to here, The Incident Command structure, of course, had been activated for a few days, and that integrated command structure that we were participating in was being facilitated by Vice Admiral William J. Glanis, who's the commander of Naval Sea Systems Command. So after Ocean Gate had activated us, we were immediately blended into the Incident Command structure. I ask us all here today to recognize the seriousness of the the seriousness of the event, and respect the depth and range of emotions, certainly and most importantly, the family and friends of the Titan, and all those in the response. That
1: is Ed Casano. He's the CEO of Palajek uh, Research Services, whose ROV had the capability to dive to the wreck of the Titanic and made the discovery, of course, of the uh, Titan submersible, the recovered pieces, of course, uh, thanks to his company there. They provided that update on Friday afternoon. I uh, wanted to share that with you today. You can hear the emotion, obviously, in the voices uh, of, uh, of Ed Casano. If you saw that uh, on Friday and, and all those involved, you um, yeah, you could just hear the emotion. You can imagine what it was like for them uh, in that entire ordeal of, of mobilizing their unit. I mean, you think about how fast that happened from getting the call to getting the JFK to getting the pieces of St. John's, getting it out to the ocean, getting it onto the ocean floor. I mean, it's... Uh pretty remarkable what they uh, what they undertook there last week
3: yeah and uh, just even the coordination
1: mm-hmm.
3: and speed and speed like you mentioned but also just having to deal with knowing that everything every move they make will be critiqued mm-hmm. by the public yeah. um and is open like a microscope. You know, you're just looking to see the the cracks in it, for instance. Yeah, exactly.
1: um,
3: Yeah, so that must have been the most difficult and something that they will remember for the rest of
1: their lives. For sure. It is uh, coming up on uh, 456. Just an update now from the RCMP. The Veterans Memorial Highway between Tilton and the Danny Cleary Arena Burns Road exits has now reopened the traffic. So traffic moving again there heading into the supper hour out on the Veterans Memorial Highway. It is uh, Greg Smith along for Linda Swain today. And of course, producer Claudette Burns, before we wrap up for today, some uh, news out of Hockey Canada that I wanted to uh, to check in on and to share. If you haven't heard yet, Hockey Canada, of course, who've been under the microscope for some time now, have appointed Catherine Henderson as their next president and chief executive officer. And if that name sounds familiar to you, Catherine Henderson has spent the last seven years as the CEO of Curling Canada. Now, Hockey Canada is certainly coming off a scandal-filled year um, related. To the National Sport Organization's handling of sexual assault allegations and, and the settlement payouts that transpired. Uh, federal corporate funding was slashed as scandals mounted. Public faith in the organization took a significant hit. Uh, the board of directors resigned last October. And that was along with the interim board chair, Andrea Skinner, and the president CEO, Scott Smith, leaving the organization. Now, retired Judge Hugh Fraser was later named the Hockey Canada's new chair and a new board of directors was named. Henderson is set to begin her uh, new duties as uh, CEO of Hockey Canada on September the 4th. And it was quick reaction, actually, after that was announced today uh, from Bauer Hockey on the appointment of Katherine uh, Henderson as president and CEO in their state today, um, they say effective today, Bauer Hockey will reinstate their partnership with Hockey Canada. So it'll be interesting to see how much uh, when it comes to some of the uh, partnerships that, uh, you know, we kind of said we're, we're going to step back, wait and see how you handle the situation and, and everything moving forward. So Bauer Hockey uh, already in on this. They, of course, in 2012, uh, Bauer pausing that partnership with Hockey Canada, which was uh, specific. Uh, related to the equipment arrangement uh, with the men's world junior team and they redirected those resources to girls para hockey and other initiatives to grow the game so if you want to weigh in on that uh, change obviously you have a chance to do this on the program tomorrow afternoon or of course tomorrow morning the biggest conversation each weekday morning in Newfoundland and Labrador is VOCM open line and I'm sure Patty Daly is well uh, well up to speed on this conversation with Hockey Canada for tomorrow morning's program uh, so please uh, you know chime in have your say on that for sure tomorrow and again to end the program today we will reiterate the rcmp uh, here in the province uh, is putting out an advisory now just a couple of moments ago the veterans memorial highway between the tilton and danny cleary arena burns road exits is now reopened for motoring traffic this has been news talk for this uh, tuesday afternoon brian callahan will be back in the chair here today Uh, At this time tomorrow, of course, we'll join him then as I'm sure lots of news to transpire on your Wednesday. Uh, So please have a great evening and we'll be talking to you soon. Bye bye for now.